Is it getting tiresome to say, how about them Oilers? I got nothing to complain about. Usually it's, I guess not. Yeah. oh my God, did you see how they, how, did you see how they fell apart defensively and <laughs> another odd man rush? And... They still do fall apart defensively, but then the goalie bails them out and uh, they still end up winning the game. Uh, let's not jinx anything because by the time this uh, episode airs, the uh, either either they're on a 20-game win streak or maybe they're starting a new one. Who knows? The trend clearly says they're never going to lose again. So <laughs> technical analysis states that uh, we're on a golden – we're far past the golden cross over the uh, moving day, moving average. Yeah. I'm I mean, it's throwing, if you're, if you're a momentum investor, you're investing in the Oilers for sure. They're no longer deep discount uh, contrarian uh, pick anymore. <laughs> Oh. Hi, you're listening to the Justin Musings podcast with Justin Lee and Marcus Muse. We are two advisors with CG Wealth Management in Alberta who finish off our weeks connecting over Zoom to discuss what's on our minds. What's on the agenda this week, Justin? Well, I had an unfortunate incident on an airplane that I wanted to talk a little bit about. And uh, I think we'll also have a, a brief discussion on... Uh, um, anchoring in, in life and spending, and then also in the intermingling of politics and uh, investment decisions. Cool. Any charts or links that we refer to, as well as an archive of past episodes, can be found on muhs.ca slash podcast. Please enjoy. So it's hard for me to think that it's already a week from now as we're recording this it's going to be february and it just you know stuff happens a lot of interesting things have happened but it just it's flown by it's flown by um i don't know how you felt the last month but yeah i feel like the maybe that winter polar vortex week uh, broke things up in turn you know in terms of schedules and and anyway it, it it seemed i've had a disjointed start to the year in short i uh well why don't you, why don't you tell us what happened well <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. Actually, here, you know, the one interesting thing that came up actually was that last weekend, um, and I don't want to talk about discount airlines so much. Actually, I got nothing against them. Um, I flew to Vancouver from Calgary for essentially 20 bucks, $15, plus all the associated taxes and fees and things of that nature, right? Uh, security charges and whatnot. Um, I think I paid, let's call it about $120 return for... Wow. A weekend in, in Vancouver. I was there to go visit um, a buddy and, um, you know, again, not going to talk about lower mainland real estate or this or that, but or the gas price there or, 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 or the economy because the malls and everything that we went through, they were busy. They were busy. But um, one thing that happened actually for me is that uh, on the flight back from Vancouver to Calgary, um, between getting on the airplane and arriving home or basically the next morning when I was getting ready to take my kids to school, I misplaced my wallet. I lost my wallet. And and so I scoured the house that day, that morning, and then I did again after that day. And in the interim, I'm kind of like logging on to my phone uh, on the banking apps to see, you know, has there been any transactions happening during that day just to see, you know, if there was any illegitimate transactions and uh, nothing had shown up. So I called the airport and then I called the airline and chatbots. Talk about chatbots and AI, right? But um, can we refer to AI in, in a previous episode? But uh, long story short is is that um, I sort of uh, narrowed it down to the point where I think I left my wallet on the airplane. As it was an evening or night, I used my jacket. And because I wasn't wearing my winter parka, I switched my jackets because it was going to be raining in the lower mainland. I needed different 
clothes. Mm -hmm. And so, A, I'm changing my location. I'm changing my regular schedule. I'm even changing where the, the, the placement of my wallet would normally be because I'm using a different jacket. And so then I go on the airplane and you know, I go through the weekend, no problem. Right? And then I'm on my way back and I use my jacket as a pillow against the wall. And in, in the process of either what I surmise was that in the process of rolling it up and picking it up and whatever and being half asleep, the wallet fell out of my jacket pocket. And uh, about the next day on the Tuesday, right, 24, hour, 24 hours plus later, I get a phone call from the airline and they said, we found your wallet, right? Like, woo, you know, I was so happy, you know, because... That's going to be a relief. Oh, yeah, because, you know, this is... As much as things are digital these days, and we'll talk about this, and I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about this, but like your wallet or a purse or, or your handbag, like th- it has essential things that for you require for day to day. Your driver's license, a healthcare card, um, your pack of gum, whatever, what have you. A number of uh, other... cards you know, to get into the door here. Yeah, your access cards, your trans- your financial cards, identity, all of that, right? It, it's, it's in there. And so it's a very disruptive thing to lose. And I've had my wallet stolen. Uh, I've had my, I've dropped, I've misplaced my wallet in previous times as well. Um, and my wife told me, I was like, well, you know, make sure you zip up the jacket next time, right? Or, and, or this jacket pocket. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. So anyway, so what I got out of this was that like, you're changing your process, you're changing your behavior. And because, you know, you're sort of, yeah, yeah, I'll get back to normal after the weekend. No, those, those are the times where you're like most prone to a mistake. And I could go on to, you know, a, a bit of a, a, a deep dive into, you know, investment and behavioral process. And you just, you feel, you, you change the mood, you change the scenario, and all of a sudden you change your investment behavior your, your, or your investment process. And, and that could be, that I've seen has been some of the times you've had, you know, I don't call them mistakes, but you've had the most uh, um, issues with when you're in that spot. So, um, but I want to talk more specifically about the wallet and, and the identity and, and, and the, the things that are in there. So, I mean, I, I've told you, I've, I've lost my wallet. I've had it stolen in the past. Have you ever lost a wallet or a passport or something of that nature? Never. And I dread it more than death. Losing a wallet, <laughs> losing a passport if you're in another country. You know, to a certain extent, um, it's, not, it's not that much of an exaggeration because you have no identity. Like, you there's, know, and there's so much stuff in there that can be stolen, you? you know, yeah. someone can use your credit cards and you won't be able to get to them in time to cancel them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say something. I mean, I've never lost my wallet, but I also have never carried my wallet in a jacket pocket. Maybe that's the reason I always have it in my, always in my left side pocket, ah. not a back pocket in yeah. my pants, but yeah. a side pocket. I stopped doing that because I just found it uncomfortable in my pants. Well, I always feel it there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I suppose that's <laughs> and I, true. I don't have a I don't have a George Costanza wallet anymore. I used yeah. to have a big wallet with you know full, full of receipts and cards and whatever. But uh, I love seeing that wear of, on the jeans or on the <laughs> pants, and it's like exactly where the wallet is always going to be. Like you can tell, yeah. right, where that person or usually, well, more often than not, it, it's a fellow, it's a guy who does that, right? You can see it, it's exactly the wallet is ex- where it exactly sits. You know, all day. But you know, whenever wallets get stolen or, or lost, it's yeah. because they're somewhere else. Um, you know, whether it's uh, in a purse or in a bag or in a in a jacket pocket. Uh, like, I, if I ever do, for whatever reason, have my wallet in a jacket pocket, I'm like completely consciously aware of it at all times and being extra careful not to lose it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just, the only way I'm comfortable is if I feel that little wallet on my side pocket here. <laughs> so, you know, the process and the reason why it's so frustrating or it's a, 
why you fear it so much is that it's it's very disruptive. Like you you, you can't drive, mm-hmm. you can't legally drive, right? Um, you can't legally do transactions, or you can't use your card anymore. You can't withdraw money unless you have an extra card at home. Or you know, I'm assuming you have most of the stuff in 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 a wallet or a purse. And so losing it, like the the motions to get things replaced, it takes time. It's not so much I feel like the money or the things that are in there that are like you know like a, that are you know fungible in, in some senses, right? But it's it's actually just a replacement of all those other documents or all those other all those other cards. And I think mm-hmm. that's one thing I've come to realize is that I, I actually use my phone. I have a, an iPhone. I use mm-hmm. Apple Pay. And then, you know, Google has their own pay equivalent sort of thing, tap as well. Yep. But I've got my credit so cards on there. Mm-hmm. Here in Alberta, we don't have an identification card. We we still have paper, you know, healthcare cards, right? When are we going to get adult laminate, you know, plastic cards, right? But... I know in Ontario, they actually have an, a digital ID that you can upload. And, mm-hmm. and down in the United States, you know, mm-hmm. there's other places that are, are implement, implementing this as well. Not the driver's, li- uh, driver's license yet, but, you know, other digital I- identification. And I'm, and I'm using, because the phone is a lot more, I'll call it convenient, but accessible, I'm finding I'm, I'm using my phone to tap far more than I am actually using um, the actual physical credit card uh, for a transaction. Yeah, same here. I mean, especially if you're in a restaurant, you've got yeah. your phone on the table anyways already. Instead of reaching for a wallet, you got mm-hmm. the phone out and pay, pay yeah. that way. I just uh, I just got lunch just before this uh, call. I got uh, a uh, I had chicken for lunch yesterday, so <laughs> today I went to uh, Sunterra and got a jum or not a jambalaya, a, a paella. Oh yes, actually pretty good. It was surprisingly good. I mean, usually I'm not so impressed by their food, but yeah, it's a long lineup. There's mm-hmm. only one cashier, mm-hmm. and you got this person in the front who's paying with cash, taking up all time. As soon as he's gone, everyone after that just scans their item. Use it, uh, taps their phone on the uh, credit card thing mm-hmm. and goes mm-hmm. two seconds. So it's wonderful. So, would you want then in the future to have your driver's license, a digital identification, basically almost replace the wallet, right? Uh, and have everything on your personal computer, your personal device, your phone. Would well, yeah, I mean, I mean, look, look, look what's in my wallet. Yeah, what is in your um, wallet? <laughs> like the credit card, that one is on my phone. I've got a save on card, which is on my phone, but it doesn't work. So I still have to use the card. Mm-hmm. Credit card is on my phone. Driver's license that could be on my phone. Um, Maybe in the future. This Visa mm-hmm. gift card. Ah. Yeah, a credit card on the phone. Um, the only thing is if you're spending more than whatever the threshold is, 250 or $500, yeah. you need to have yeah. a physical card and yeah. use chip and pin. Yeah. But uh, all of this could be on the phone. And then, you know, like literally I was saying I have phone in my left or a wallet in my left pocket, phone in my right pocket usually. It'd be nice to just get rid of one of them and only have one, you know, just have the phone in one pocket. Just don't lose uh, the phone. Especially in summer when you don't have jacket pockets, right? You need, yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to cut, cut down on what, what you have in your pockets, but uh, yeah. The issue then is that you don't want to lose your phone because that's everything then, right? It's your communication. Mm-hmm. It's you know has all the other stuff. And I know it's going to be locked and whatnot, right? But um, well, I mean, yeah. If you lose if you lose this, yeah, then you're completely lost. I mean, if I lose my wallet right now, I still can use this to buy stuff with. Yeah. And um, and use my this is another important one. I was going to mention use my online banking apps to then disable my credit cards yes. that I just lost. Yes. Which I assume you probably did, right? I did not. I did not. You, no. I had took that chance. Some faith in human. I don't because I just didn't want to cancel. So this is one thing I, I was reiterated to me as well is that you don't have to cancel your credit cards outright these days. In the past, you had to. Yeah. No. That's right? yeah. That's now, what I mean. You just go you can in just there go and on your own them. and like lock it, I guess, or disable. Mm-hmm. Lock and, it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then later on, should you find it or you know. Then you can just go back onto your app again and then unlock or log on and, on, on, a, on a desktop and, and unlock it there. So it has become a little bit more convenient because, you know, I suppose people lose these things or misplace them quite often. Um, so it, it's, so you did lock it, right? I did not, again, because I was monitoring. And maybe tell me if I was doing this incorrectly, right? But on that Monday, the very next day, 
you know, like I said, I checked in the morning to see if there's any transactions that happen on all the cards, right? Uh, debit card, credit card, credit card, right? And then in the out, you know, this is while I'm actually, you know, waiting on the phone to talk to a real human being, right? Because I had, you know, and then I you know, had to go through the chatbot. Uh, and believe me, we're going to have a lot more chatbots in the world in the near future. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, in the afternoon, I checked once again, no transactions. So I'm like, okay, well, no one's just, you know, using this inappropriately yet, right? Uh, or maybe they're just waiting for that, right? Oh, and then, you know, the very next day, Tuesday, you know, or like that night, I think one more time before I went to bed, I just checked on one of them, my, the main card. And again, no transactions. I'm like, okay. So I went to bed relatively, in a, in a, uh, well, you know, I wasn't the best of mood. I was kind of grumpy all Monday, right? Um, but I, I went to bed and then Tuesday morning, um, sure enough, I get that phone call again from the airline. And shout out to Lynx Air, right? <laughs> um, for a, or the cleaning crew and the staff to be able to like find it, drop it, you know, go through the chain of command and, and, and end up finding me because I actually didn't have uh, a business card. I ran out of cards. I didn't have actually my phone number. So they must have cross-referenced it with the manifest and, and figure out how to, how to reach me based on the information, um, you know, my, my, the driver's license information or what, what have you. So mm-hmm. I did not lock it, but should I have locked everything in hindsight? Marcus, should I? Have I definitely would have. You would have? Yeah. You never know. With those credit card transactions, I mean, if you watch it online, sometimes there's a delay. I mean, I know back in the day, I don't know if it's still a delay, but it used to be like a two or three day delay mm-hmm. between when the card was used and something was purchased and when it showed up online. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems quicker now, but um, I'd still worry. I'd be, I'd be locking that up. I was prepared on Tuesday to actually go get a replacement driver's license. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to go to the registry during lunch break or something and, and, uh, and go get one. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, I didn't have to. And maybe that was me pushing my luck or in some senses or, or just being, uh, you know, a semi-false sense of security, right? But uh, yeah, having spoken to uh, another friend or a colleague about this and then also uh, my wife about it, she's like, yeah, you should have, you know, everybody's basically said, why don't you just lock it? it? It doesn't hurt. You can always unlock it yourself again, right? And I think that's an, that's an option that a lot of people may not have, if they haven't lost anyone in, if ever, or in a very long time rather than the outright cancellation and reissuance, um, yeah, just doing that temporary lock is um, is a nice option to have. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't want to get into fraud. I don't want to get into um, things that will happen. Uh, uh, you know, some of the more overarching things I thought about was just the dig- digit further digitization um, that the, the of, of commerce and transactions, also of identifi- identity. And, you know, it... I guess I didn't. Yeah, I, I once I was I got the you know the, the the nice resolution. It got me thinking a little bit more about that stuff as opposed to the uh, oh my goodness, what happened if I had a transaction that wasn't me, or all of a sudden you know and going through all those processes and steps because um, I have had that happen before in the past and yeah, it's not a it's not a fun ride. It's it just it's annoying. It get it, it happens. There's insurance and whatnot in place, but it's still uh, a pain in the butt to deal with, right? So. I'm mm-hmm. glad that you've never lost it. I hope you keep that. Uh, yeah, again, knock on wood. Uh, don't hex it. But <laughs> keep I, I, that winning streak going. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't lose your wallet. Um, so on a similar thing about digitization, another thing that just happened this week was that uh, my phone plan expired. My two-year contract with my service provider um, was up. So I was going, I just started to go on month to month. And I had basically been paying $55 a month for the plan, and I was getting 10 gigabytes a month for data. All the other stuff I'm just considering standard, the, you know, the national, you know, no long distance, etc. But it's essentially calling it $55 for 10 gigabytes. And then now they offered me, well, you know, here's a couple options. You can get 100 gigabytes now. Like, how, how do people use 100 gigabytes on their phone? But uh, what I ended up was with $10 cheaper, $45 a month, and now I'm getting 70 gigabytes. I'm getting seven times the data, right? And, you know, I looked at my data actually just before I got on this call. 
with you. And I've used in less than one week, oh, two, two gigabytes. And that was like, oh, I was, you know, I'm, I'm playing YouTube on it while, you know, or I'm downloading podcasts mm-hmm. that I normally would wait till I get home to. I'm just downloading them as, as I'm walking home, right? So um, it's, you know, it's a lot more than I, I've been using, using it quite liberally. But I don't, you know, I think they're just going to be training us to use more and more data because everything's on the phone these days, right? Not just our financials, but our communication, um, video, you know, we're talking about 5G. Yes, it's faster, but it use, consumes a lot more data too, right? And mm-hmm. uh we're not going to get away we're from using more and more data on our phone. So anyway, I, I, I shudder to think how I'd be using 70 gigabytes a month. But sure enough, maybe I'm, there's, I'm in a place not by a TV and I just want to watch that the Oilers uh, in the fifth, third period or something. Right? I'm going to maybe turn try to find a way and watch it on the phone. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm looking at my phone here and I, I have some data plan that also comes with way more data than I use. Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe it's because we, we grew up at a time when data was so limited that we're so we're, we're trained, so trained yes. to use Wi-Fi. Yes. And, Always ask uh, for the Wi-Fi watch, password. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And don't watch uh, videos on your phone yes. and whatnot. Like I have in the last month used 3.8 gigabytes and I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I get like at least 10 times that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with 5G, maybe uh, it just, we're going to be using that much more data. Uh, I, I did try, you know, if you actually are connected at 5G and you're getting the full bandwidth, those gigabytes go really fast because 5G is wicked fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you will, uh, you will use gigabyte, a gigabyte in seconds. I think my dad was having this challenge uh, getting a data plan on his phone that the only thing that the carriers would offer was something like 50 gigabytes. And here's a guy who for the longest time had no data on his phone mm-hmm. and would just for him to have a few gigabytes would be great. Uh, but now he's got, I think he's got a... 30 gigabyte plan or something like that it's i think that one of this is like you you get used to you you get accustomed to it right you know in some ways you know trying to bridge it to say personal finance you 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 sort of like your tastes get larger or your life you you get used to things right and so all of a sudden you realize oh you know one gigabyte how am i going to use one gigabyte and then you're like 10 gigabytes how am i going to use 10 gigabytes and then 70 gigabytes and then then you realize at some point i can't have anything less than 50 gigabytes right it's that lifestyle creep that sort of comes into place right and then they hook you and then you're stuck you got you got to get that 50 gigabyte you got to have that minimum right and then all of a sudden that standard of living right and maybe some of it's forced upon right but uh, you know in, structurally right in, in with with 5g and whatever you want to call it right but um that creep just comes in and then it's very hard to kind of go back they, they won't even offer you a, a five gigabyte plan. They'll just say pay as you go or whatever, right? So um, it's, I find it somewhat, it's, it's a slippery slope, but you can kind of see how that happens and some of the ramifications of that and how the analogy can be used to a lot of other uh, aspects of our lives. Well, I was just going to make that transition to personal finance and someone did something about this. Uh, I forget who wrote the article. Maybe it was Morgan Housel. About how uh, whenever there is an investment platform available for younger people that says invest with as little as $100 or whatever, Mm -hmm. or invest as little as $100 a month, that kind of creates a bias that people gravitate towards when they should be thinking bigger than that. When you stay with that parameter then, right, and you think that that's like de facto status or standard, moving away from that, right, again, is is becomes either you're ignorant of what options are out there or you just realize that, oh, this is mm-hmm. where I am and this is the path I, w- I will continue to follow. And changing that just can just can be a very difficult thing. Thinking back to my times at the bank, yeah. um, we're talking about sort of this investment strategy, uh, sort of how much to invest per month. Mm-hmm. I remember early days when I was still a trainee watching another, uh, another person dealing with a customer. The customer was uh, an oil field guy from Fort Mac. 
making a lot of money and uh, the person I was shadowing was opening an RSP plan for mm-hmm. him and saying you can put away as little as, as $50, like the, the, the monthly amount, the minimum was $50 or something to put into an RSP, like in a mutual fund RSP. Mm-hmm. And the guy said, okay, let's do $150 a month. The guy makes made six figures. Mm-hmm. He should have been putting thousands a month mm-hmm. into his RSP, mm-hmm. at least a thousand a month mm-hmm. into his RSP. But I think maybe because he either because he was he spent his money on a lot of other things, or because he was given that uh, that framing of fifty dollars a month, hundred fifty dollars. Mm. I'll I'll triple that. I'll do one hundred and fifty dollars a month. Pat on the back, yeah, so, triple that. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, if I was doing a financial plan for that fella, I'd be uh, saying, you know, uh, you're making one hundred and twenty thousand a year or something or whatever it was back then, and twenty thousand a year. So at least put, you know, like maybe start at th- start thinking at a thousand a month and go up from there. Yeah, the like paycheck. If you want to put a serious yeah. amount aside, yeah. now seriously safe for retirement. It's interesting that you think you're thinking of it more on the minimum side of things. That framework of like, oh, as little as a hundred dollars a month, or as little as fifty dollars a month, right? Um, whereas I was looking at it and thinking, oh well, how am I going to use seventy gigabytes? I'm thinking about the maximum, right? Like, how am I going to use all that? And then where I then become anchored to that higher value, the higher range, upper bound range. Whereas you mm-hmm. were thinking about, oh, people are anchoring just to that minimum amount and thinking so they're doing exactly. Yeah, it is amount. anchoring is the yeah. bias I was getting at. Yeah, mm. yeah. But no, I mean, you you know now, even if you don't even have any use for that much, you still might anchor towards that fifty gigabytes a month, and then that'll become the norm. And then you know, five years from now, whenever you do another another renewal it's going to be you know 200 200 gigabytes, 200 gigabytes yeah. you'll be you'll be using 50 every month and then they will offer you a 200 gigabyte plan yeah and you'll just end up doing that much more on your phone and uh so i guess in some ways they're they're uh, you're spinning it into a in, in sort of a, po- a a positive way of looking at it right to say that you know anchor and then on a saving standpoint right um whereas i was thinking more on the on the spending side where like oh if i get used to spending x amount of dollars a month or utilizing 70 gigabytes a month then how do i get a, how do i break that right do you think you find mm-hmm. clients or people in the conversations that you have have more concern or more issues with breaking the um the spending component of it or is saying like oh you know what i'm used to like minimal amount of this i'm just paying the minimum amount off my credit card balance or i'm not doing it to maybe potentially taking advantage of a prepayment on the mortgage or something of that nature do you find that there's more issues sort of on the and they're sort of intertwined of course right um, but do you find that people are more hung up or have issues or uh, to try to rectify uh, on the lower side or on the on the higher on the higher end i find people are will concentrate more on the on the expense side like like oh i'm spending too much or how come i i'm always out of money right i'm always out of this every month or i'm going month to month or paycheck to paycheck or i have to wait for my annual bonus to come in before i can do any contributions for example right um i find that i i, I tend to have some conversations more about uh, expense management uh, as opposed to um on the other side where like yeah where could i be saving more how can i or I, I, am i spending am i saving enough and if it's enough, then I'm just going to stay at that. I'm not going to increase it any, anymore. Yeah, I get what you're getting at. And I mean, that's what I see more often than not. And that's what I experience myself too, is that lifestyle creep mm. of, you know, if I think back to the times when I was making, um, you know, much less than I make now, if I thought of myself making as much as I make now, I thought I'd have so much to save. Mm-hmm. I would be saving so much. I'd be so rich. <laughs> but now, now I just spend it all. I mean, <laughs> lifestyle creep affects us all. And you just end up having, you find new ways to spend money. Mm-hmm. And then it's hard to to basically go back to living the way you did before, right? And I mean, it happens with age too. You know, you, you know, you end up you live very cheaply in your twenties. In your thirties, though, you're maybe eating out more often, and there's other obviously obviously family expenses, things like that, and um, and it just keeps going up. But um, 
it's hard to revert. It's hard to go back. Uh, I spend 350 bucks a month on, on housekeeping. I can't go back to cleaning my own house. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? COVID was a breaker for that in a lot of ways. It broke a lot of yeah. habits or yeah. spending. Or it maybe started some new ones, right? But it, it certainly was almost like a, a, re, a restart, right? Like a, like a hard re, you know, like when you do a hard reboot on the computer, right? And um, mm-hmm. I can see how that, you know, you're, you become accustomed to it. And then you just, you know, yeah, I bet you a decade ago, you're like, you couldn't think of yourself as spending that much for house cleaning, right? I bet you your parents were like, what the heck are you doing? Cleaning yourself, right? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, they, they were the ones that recommended it. Because <laughs> they, knew, they knew you weren't going to do it in the first place, right? <laughs> yeah, or not enough, not often enough, or not okay. thoroughly enough. Yeah. No, but I will say something, you know, just a complete aside. For the amount of time it takes some of us to clean a house, like to do the work that these ladies do in like a three-hour span, uh, it takes me two days to do the same amount of work, and it, it's a no-brainer. This is where you want to outsource parts of your life. Yeah, saving money by spending a ton of time, whether it's uh, cleaning your house or doing your own, doing your own uh, car repairs, change your oil. Like that, That's you what know? I was thinking. Changing, Changing your oil. oil. I would never, ch- I would never change my oil. I would screw it up, and I would take twice as long or three times as long as it would take someone who is professional at that. And had the systems, and had the dumping, had the the big barrel. Yeah, had everything already in place. And the right to tools. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I suppose it's just it's 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 just when you think of, everybody's lives are a little bit different, right? Um. One other topic that came up recently in the last couple of days, and um, I, I sent you a, a tweet uh, on, I'm still calling it Twitter, uh, about it. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it, you know, kind of talked a little bit. I, I, again, I can see the connections between our past conversations recently about like, you know, gold standard and Bitcoin, for example, or just, you know, the validity of, of collecting gold or what is the function of gold and, and what have you. And, and so there was an interesting story that came up about a particular credit union here in Alberta. And uh, I think it's probably, it sounds like it's the only one in, in Canada that is actually kind of doing this because um, it goes sort of, it's antithesis to the, like the, you know, the modern banking system. Um, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you start off on this so, and, yeah. and, and let, well, let I, the listeners find out what this is. I just read that article right before this call. Uh, you wanted to talk about it and, um, it's interesting. So the, the story is a credit union in Calgary area, I think, or sort of semi-rural. Canmore, yeah. Is, um, it, it looks, the article looks like they're really promoting gold and precious metals as a way to, what did the article say? So, so the headline of the article is, Alberta Credit Union flaunts mistrust of banking system as regulators crack down on gold holdings. Why aren't they buying Bitcoin? Why aren't they buying Bitcoin? Yeah, they're probably, they're, they're pro-Bitcoin too, but we'll see. Um, so it looks like, from the look of the article, it looks like the, uh, the head person, who, who they, the CEO of this credit union, uh, who they interviewed, I guess, for this, or who they're talking about, um, has some maybe political opinions that kind of have him steering towards gold and silver. He's worried about the banking system collapsing, or he's trying to sort of sell that idea, and thus uh, is offering, this credit union is offering uh, sale of precious metals as well as storage. Now, looking at their website, I found, um, and I mean, we're going to share the article. So the, the credit union in question, I'm not making any comments about them, but Bow Valley Credit Union, they, it seems they have a partnership with Silver Gold Bull out of Calgary, which is a, a gold, very well-respected gold and silver uh, dealer. I've used them in the past when I sort of collected uh, silver mm-hmm. coins and stuff. I talked about that in previous episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are going to get bullion there, they are one of the better priced uh, options out there, better than going into a bank. This, it looks like maybe they sort of came up with, they made a deal with them. Like they said, hey, you want to, part, you want to partner up on this? You know, we can sort of promote gold and silver and uh, 
Uh, we'll do that through you. And they've got their, the, the Bull Valley Credit Union has, has the logo of the uh, of Silver Gold Bull on their website. Uh, so that's what it kind of seems that they're, they're doing. So I think one of the complaints that came from the, um, the guarantee group, from the government, basically the non-arms link part of the government that oversees and, and kind of regulates the credit unions here in this province, said basically, like, stop it, right? You are advertising yeah. and saying that there is going to be um, a doomsday situation where a federal major federal Canadian bank is going to collapse. And because of that, there's going to be massive in, uh, deflationary uh, uh, factors because they're going to have to print all this money to replace the money that was lost. And that um, we're going back to the gold standard. We're going to buy gold. We're going to put it in the vaults. And that we're gonna, so your money that you're depositing at our credit union is backed not by, you know, fiat currency, stuff that's on a computer potentially just, made, you know, quote unquote made up, um, but is actually, you know, if you needed to, it's backed up by the stuff that we're putting in a vault here in Alberta. And reading the article in the interview with this guy, I think, you know, I don't think he really intends to uh, cause that, that kind of mistrust mm-hmm. or fear mm-hmm. about the... Call uh, it a secondary effect of the banking though. system. Yeah. I think it's really just sort of he has this this general... And, you know, you know these people out there have that sort of general idea. I don't know if it's an opinion, but this this thought that you can't trust the the monetary system and whatnot. And this, these are the people that are usually the Bitcoin maxis as well. And, uh, and traditionally, were the gold bugs the, the ones who uh, a lot of li- you know libertarian sort of background, and not in the in negative yeah, sense, but yeah. just like you know, we want to have Which, independence. We need to be self reliant in a lot of ways. We can't necessarily. Yeah. Trust there's no shortage them. of those people in Southern Alberta, right? <laughs> there's quite a few. There's quite a few. Yeah. So, I mean, and I mean, not to not even to, I don't mean to object to that type of an opinion, but again, I would just caution people to try to limit how they let their sort of political views affect their finances, if that's fair. I, I think that's you a know, good way of looking okay at this. It's okay to have that yeah. view. If it's a view you have, it's a view you have. But again, I would say trust professionals when it comes to your investments. Trust factual data. It, it can only, only cause damage to your to your own financial, your, your wealth. The, you know, this credit union is certainly uh, marketing or, or attracting people uh, with of a similar mindset. I mean, it, it's... You know, and it, that's good marketing for them because, yeah, again, yeah. in that part of Alberta, you're going to attract a lot of people and people are, you know, they join their factions. And if you are of one faction, you're probably going to do business with this particular credit union. And then so to your point about the politics, I think that, you know, that's certainly, I don't call it worth repeating. Uh, but yeah, especially in an election year that's happening in the United States and, and especially, you know, like, you know, nonstop polling, you know, the advertisements are on TV, even here in Canada, it's a non-election year, right? But there's stuff coming on TV with, you know, uh, Paul Levere and, you know, the um, Conservative Party of Canada and, 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 you know, in general, everyone's on election mode. All the politicians in some form have to be aware of when when the next uh, election is. And so, yeah, there, you know, it's funny because there's ETFs out there now that are like, and I forgot the name of the tickers, but if you're like a Democrat, it's this ticker. And, and apparently it's investments <laughs> yeah. or companies that are more, um, you know, call it uh, liberal elite coast based companies or like more te- technology and more new world and this and that. And, and whereas there's if you're Republican, there's an ETF and it's full of like, I'm just I'm going to throw out some you know ideas of like it's it's an oil company and it's a coal company and it's drill, baby drill and whatever defense contractors and, and what have you. And. You shared that ETF with me one time. What was it again? We'll have to take a look. Yeah. I can't RB. Yeah, it's, we'll, we'll, we'll put it in the notes, right? But there's, there's things they're marketing out there for those reasons. And, mm. 
And I think back to the first time, you know, it was actually on my birthday when Donald Trump was first elected, right? And that night, and people were thinking, oh my goodness, like the, the, the S&P 500 is going to drop like a rock tomorrow. Confidence is yep. going to be down. We don't know what he's going to do. And, and, and you know what? Market went up. Right, it, it went up, and it doesn't matter who's in, who's. A, I don't call it. It doesn't matter. But basing your investment decisions based on who you think is going to be the next next elected leader, whether in Canada or the United or the United States or even provincially, federally, what have you, right? Generally, it's not going to work because as a whole, I'd like to think of the idea, and we've, I think I've talked about this concept idea, is that irrespective of who's in power. Right. There's some things that just don't change. And, and businesses, good performing businesses will perform well, you know, irrespective of the business cycle, irrespective of the economics you know, or the economic cycle, the presidentialist cycle. And, and so, yeah, don't buy and sell mainly because you just think that there's a Republican in power going to be in power or a Democrat's going to get reelected or that Justin Trudeau is going to get reelected or he's going to get crushed. And because of that, we're going to go and, and build pipelines. Everywhere. Well, you know what? There's probably not many more pipelines anyways, even if there is a change in government in Canada. So. Yes, I think you should be very cautious about making those decisions primarily based on your political opinion or your expectations of that. You're right. Getting getting to, um, with it being sort of an election year in the U.S. this year and maybe possibly in Canada, we'll see. Um, or either way, we're going to get election noise or some kind of political noise coming anyways from politicians. Don't sell everything the day before the election <laughs> thinking that so-and-so is going to come into power. All right. Just you know, you make a good point about about Trump. I, I remember, I remember uh, having an email conversation with a client right before, right, right as those numbers were coming in, mm-hmm. and uh, clients had some cash to invest anyways, and he was like, "All right, the markets are going down. You know, the futures were down a whole bunch. The Japanese markets were down that night. Mm-hmm. So he was like, "All right, this is perfect. Tomorrow I want all in, mm-hmm. just because he saw the markets coming down so much, mm-hmm. and uh, he asked me to put in a basically a low bid, a low bid kind for like a stink bid. whatever yeah, ETF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Expecting this will fail, but yeah. then the next day, I think uh, I think the S and P was up twenty thirty points, yeah, and up. things went up from there. <laughs> um, one thing I just want to warn about you with this political climate, what you're going to see a lot, and you see it a ton from the Trump side, is this: everything is terrible, America's failing, everything's terrible. You need to vote me in to make things better again, to make America great again. Mm-hmm. But uh, that probably appeals to certain people, and you know everything's terrible under Biden, everything's terrible under the Democrats, so we need to to vote for them, but. If we, if we're so inundated by that messaging, yeah, it creates a lot of pessimism. The fact of the matter is, things are pretty good everywhere. U.S., Canada, America's pretty great, right? Reasonably now. good. Yeah, Canada's pretty great right it now. It really is too. pretty great. It is, yeah. and I mean, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't object to politicians saying make America, make America greater, greater, but to make make America great again because yeah. it's it's gone so downhill. Everything's terrible now. Yeah. It's it's not. Um, the world is is pretty good, and I object to the whole. Uh, you know, the the world is generally better in many ways and that it's getting wealthier overall at all levels of wealth around the world and in certain ways yes uh, there's there's issues with with climate and whatnot and, and pollution and what we what we as humans do on the earth here but in other ways as we get wealthier as a as a planet we have more money to address those issues we have you know populations are growing very quickly in certain parts of the world but as those countries become wealthier they also tend to gravitate towards more nuclear families like we have instead of having six kids having two kids in many ways the world is getting better and the stats show it politicians don't want to admit it they want to say things are terrible you have to vote for me yeah no we need change we need change yeah but maybe change on the fringes on on certain aspects or things Mm -hmm. that you might be again you said improve upon but you know that vibe session term that we've heard and seen and utilized before is that 
the airport was full. My airplane was full, right? I went to the shopping mall. It was packed. I had to wait in line to go pay for a little cheesecake, for example, right? Um, <laughs> I spent money, right? I walked down to Tim Hortons this morning to get a free coffee because I had one out of voucher, right? But there was a lineup. People are buying. The le- unemployment rates are still fairly low, right? People are not losing, you know, the economy as a whole are not losing jobs widespread in some areas here and there for sure, but not as a whole. And and again, it's it's pretty good. It's really good, actually. It's not that bad. Maybe yeah, again, if, if you're a politician that wants to get elected, you're going you're to you're, you're going to hinge on to yeah. whatever aspect it is, whether it's, you know, young people can't purchase real estate or whatever the problem is. That's what you want to. It's magnify. smart politics, really. I, mean, magnify, I don't, I don't yeah. blame them. But yeah, you want to magnify that issue, and that's what you want to make your issue, mm-hmm. uh, even though things generally are pretty good. Yeah. Um, the incumbents will obviously try to magnify the mm-hmm. benefits and how, and try to remind people, hey, most of us have jobs. Most of us actually have a better life. Most of us, maybe in the United States, a lot more people have health care coverage than they used to, for example, right? You know, both sides, right? But in the end, like, yes, don't make your decisions merely because you think someone's going to come into power or not. Uh, change of government, wholesale changes. Although, you know, I remain to be seen what's going to happen down in Argentina and in places like that, right, uh, in the next little while. But as a whole, well, their things got pretty pretty bad on their own. So yeah. <laughs> I think whoever was running there didn't have to uh, didn't have to make up any issues. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> but that's another thing. I mean, that's that's the ideal thing that everybody wants, whether whether the socialists destroyed your economy or the capitalists destroyed your economy, that's what you want so that you can get in and say, I'm going to do things better. But if things are going okay, like I said, you know, is, you know, the case in most of North America, you're going to try to amplify certain aspects of it, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, although I do, I do like the point that in, in the markets these days, if you want to express your uh, position or your point, Again, sleep well at night sort of factor in some ways. Just as much as you may express your position um, in person uh, by having a sign on your lawn or a button on your jacket, a pin on your lapel, (laughs) something like that, right? I kind of like the fact that if you want to buy a a democratic, democrat, you know, um, sort of uh, inspired ETF, you can do so. If you want to buy Republican inspired ETF, you want to, you can do so. If you want to buy a basket of what quote unquote sin stocks, you can do that. You want to buy ESG friendly ETF, you can do that too. You want to buy Bitcoin, you can do that too now in the United States, right? So the, the market will allow you to express those opinions and positions. We'll see what the, you know, the financial uh, results will, will, of that will be, right? But it, it, it you know, it's, kind of nice to know that you can do that too in some ways right if you're going to do it in person uh, some people will want to do it uh, in some form uh, in their account again don't make the whole decision in there but the market is providing options or so you know ideas to um, people who are maybe looking for them right and the market will make money off that and they, <laughs> the that's the way they can make money and differentiate themselves yes um case in point yeah case in point which i was corrected on recently i tweeted out case and point and that's why I've always said it all my life. Case and like, here's the case. Here's the point. Yeah. No, it's case in points. I'm mm. told. Thank you, Luke. So if you're if you're an American investor and you want to own the U.S., you can buy a, a an all cap U.S. Uh, stock as a stock fund uh, that owns all three thousand or whatever stocks with an MER and management expense ratio of zero point zero three percent. Or, or you can buy. And basically, if you bought that one, you'd be lumping your money in with a trillion other dollars in that same fund. Um, or you can buy a uh, fund that uh, follows your conservative values or whatever it is uh, with an expense ratio of 0.75. Uh, 
and uh, and there's only about seventy three million dollars in that fund, and uh, so so. The market will find a way to differentiate, especially when you got these huge companies like Vanguard and iShares and State Street that are, you know, dominating the index uh, ETF uh, area. You mm-hmm. want to make an ETF that is slightly different. And if I look at the uh, the, the return on this conservative ETF, uh, the return is almost identical to the index one. It actually trails by three percentage points over its lifetime. Um, but uh, they're making their money by saying they're this, by branding it as that, and they can make their 0.75% MER instead the of the fund managers are making that, that, money. that Vanguard yes. makes. Yes, yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's what people have to do. And I mean, again, that is also why ESG has become hot, because it is a differentiator. Yeah. More and more of the market is, is gravitating towards ETFs, and in particular index ETFs. So... If you are any type of asset manager, you want to put something forward that's different, that provides an added value to your potential customer, uh, you're going to do something like that. Some kind of thematic ETF or something that's geared towards a certain niche um, Hmm. clientele, I guess. Electric vehicles. That's one that comes up as an example, for example, right? In some ways, right? So country-specific things. Um, K-pop. There was an ETF out there that was kind of called a K-pop, but it was, you know, it wasn't only K-pop music, but it was about, you know, companies in South Korea primarily then and exporting services and goods and, and, and whatnot right so again k-pop Korean entertainment ETF yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like if it's 0.75% MER there you go it's also uh, uh, let me just see how this compares to uh, iShares uh, Korea you want an indirect ownership uh, behind uh, <laughs> behind your favorite k-pop band that's one way to do it yeah it's trailed by about 15% yeah. over the last the market will have, will give options, and, and if they're good options, they will survive. If it doesn't, they will wither and get rolled in, or, or you know, people will move on, funds will move on, right? But uh, again, I think as generally, I think you and I both agree that your investment decisions should not necessarily be solely focused, and, and especially these binary thoughts about like, I'm taking all my money out, or I'm going to put everything in, right? And just because of a, an individual, right, in in the massive institution that is the government right is going to affect that much change right so don't don't make all those decisions those decisions like that are uh, based off of those uh, uh solely on that basis and the market will generally do yeah. well over the long run right irrespective of who's in power and i think that's one real strength behind it is that irrespective despite who might be in power in five years time i suspect the u.s economy for example is going to be probably pretty good and the companies that are in there are probably going to do fairly well. Yeah, and that's been shown too that uh, whoever's in charge, there's the graph that shows Democratic uh, presidents versus Republican. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, in history, actually, the Democrat Democrat governments have done better than Spend Republican better, ones. Yeah. But it could be it could be consequential. On another thing, uh, you know, so one thing is don't let politics affect your investments. Uh, don't avoid the markets because a particular country has a politician you don't like or or whatever. The other thing I just noticed as I was looking up Korean ETFs, um, weren't we talking about how great things are in terms of like Korea is in this sort of golden age of, you know, cultural exports? Yeah. How are you? Culturally, uh, cultural exports and in economically, food? I'm sure it's done very well. Do you know how many kids um, in my kids' it's... school are, like want to trade for my son's like dried seaweed? <laughs> like they're trading stuff for like stuff that I would like who, if I took we that to school. that in elementary school too. If I took that to school, people what is that, right? And now they're like, they want that stuff. Nice salty snack, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. So that stuff's pervasive, right? And and it's you can see there, there's a change, but. 
We would assume Korea, South Korea, the economy's been pretty strong there, right? I mean, uh, Hyundai's and Kia's and Samsung's, and there's, they're, they're exporting a lot of stuff to the world. The economy's probably growing. It's kind of moved from being, it really almost isn't an emerging market anymore. It's a, pretty much a fully developed country. Um, you've been there, I haven't, so I wouldn't know, uh, you know firsthand. How do you think the markets did over the last five years? The Korea, or let's say 10 years. Oh, you know, how, I do you think total return of the Korean markets... I'm looking at the iShares, uh, MSCI, South Korea ETF. Uh, what do you figure the growth rate is on the on that ETF? This is an interesting total return. What's your yeah, guess? Yeah, um, I think guess? I had a reasonably good guess in the past, but uh, I'm gonna embarrass myself by saying something like mid single digits. Um, they, you know, Canada. I'll, I'll preface that and say that I think one of the things with that is, uh, you know, we talked about Canada as you know being dominated by maybe like a couple different sectors. Uh, and, and a few different companies in Korea, uh, it's even more magnified where it's a couple sectors mm-hmm. and it's like a couple names, right? And it really goes basically up and down on what on what uh, uh, Samsung basically does, right? Is you know, and all the arms of Samsung and Hyundai and Hyundai heavy industries, but basically Samsung these days. So uh, despite their their you know having Samsung phones in almost half the world and chips everywhere and this and that i want and tvs and etc 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 um yeah i want to say something on the order of like not that different from the united from, from north america yeah um it probably just it's more volatility than yeah. anything but recently i heard on some co- podcast someone mentioned that in china chinese stocks in 30 years are about break even yeah yeah you know they had their big run up and then they've just been crappy for the last however long and yet the economy has grown massively in China. We know that, you mm-hmm. know, like we're not talking about, like we're not talking about just being up a bit, but multiplied by, by many fold in those 30 years. Second largest economy in the world. Uh, so yeah, from being a pretty small economy. Now, South Korea, I'm pretty sure, I don't have to look at the stats. I'm pretty sure over the last 10 years, the South Korean economy grew more than the Canadian economy. Canadian stocks though have roughly tripled what South Korean stocks have done in that time period. And, you know, uh, which isn't a lot. Canada's yeah. up 60% over the 10 years. South Korea's up 22% based on what I'm seeing here. Uh, economics have very little to do with uh, the stock market outcomes anywhere, really, right? Whether you're looking at it over time when, you know, when it's a strong economy and earnings are going up, those typically are the years when the markets go down um, and then vice versa. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's really why I invest the way I do. I know you do things differently, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no way to take any of that data and make formulate any type of uh, investment strategy out of that. It's just own everything, own everything, own all the countries, own Korea, own <laughs> China, mm-hmm. <laughs> begrudgingly, uh, own Canada, U.S., everything. And um, over time, the winners rise to the top, and we sort of hope to see that uh, that formulate in in our returns. It's it's the wide it's the wide net, right? And and and, and largely, yeah, it, it has shown to work for sure. Right. And uh, um, then, you know, again, counter argument is that if you just invested solely in the United States, for example, as you know, and excluded the rest of the world, you probably did better than the world index. Right. So I, I think there is places or, or, or times to uh, be a little bit more targeted. But again, not on political terms or, or, or bases, bases and, and not so much on macro because we can't control macro. And to your point. We can talk. We can talk about fundamental business analysis and, and fundamentals of a company, uh, which you can have some more clarity, or you can see that people have some control over. Uh, but yeah, most nobody except the person that makes it, announces the decision has has sway on on macro and interest rates and things of that nature, right? So, anyway, going off on a far far tangent. All right, let's call it there.
views discussed in this podcast are those of the presenters or any guests and not necessarily those of Canaccord Genuity Corp. Statements expressed herein are not intended to provide tax, legal, or financial advice, and under no circumstances should be construed as a solicitation to act as a securities broker or dealer in any jurisdiction. All views expressed are intended for general circulation only and do not have any regard to the specific investments, objectives, financial circumstances, or general needs of any individual, organization, or institution. Investing in equities is not guaranteed, values change frequently, and past performance is not an indicator of future performance. Investors cannot invest directly in an index. Index returns do not reflect any fees, expenses, or sales charges. Please do not hesitate to contact us should you want to know more about anything discussed in this podcast. CG Wealth Management is a division of Canaccord Genuity Corp., member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Canadian Investment Regulatory Organization.